And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. What's up? Good day. It is the start of the season. Welcome to Spin Rate. The season, the Blue Jays 2021 season is about to begin. And I, for one, couldn't be more excited, I guess. It's still going to be weird, but it's as long as nobody gets COVID, it's going to be awesome. But as I said, my name is Drew Fairservice. This is Spin Rate, the Athletics Blue Jays podcast, and we are here getting ready for 2021, and we have got a great show for you. No further ado, I will not waste another second before bringing in my co-host, Caitlin McGrath from The Athletic. Caitlin, good evening. Good evening. Uh, how are you doing over there? I am currently... Got one eye on a tennis match. One eye on a tennis match. I do not have any eyes on any tennis matches. I haven't even been watching soccer. The international break throw me off, which, but it's okay. Declan Rice is like legit, and like he plays. I'm just so surprised and so excited for how good Declan Rice is. West Ham, England defensive midfielder. He's the best in the world. No one cares about that. They don't care about tennis. I mean, they do, but not today. It's opening day. It's the best day of the year. I love opening day so much. I'm such a nostalgic. I just, it's just the best. I love opening up MLB TV and having like five games going at once. I love going to the ballpark on opening day, even if, you know, when that was a thing that you were allowed to do. I love it. I'm, it's just whatever they've sold, I'm buying. I'm buying all the opening day. Everyone's got a chance. Everyone's tied for first. Fuck yeah, they're tied for first. Toronto Blue Jays tied for first place in the American League East. But what we're not going to talk about is where they are now. We're going to talk a little bit about where they're going to be, are we not? Do we want to talk about that? Let's just get it, get it going. Why waste any more time? What are your expectations, Caitlin, for the 2021 Toronto Blue Jays? Um, I would say my expectations are, big picture, I think this is going to be a year where they need to take a step forward. I think that I am viewing 2021 as the start of a new Blue Jays era. I think I think it's obviously there's pieces here that have been here a few years. We knew the rebuild was happening for the last couple of years, but I think having Jordan Springer on this team signed for six years, that kind of is the start of a new era for this team. It should be a competitive era, should be more competitive than they've been in the last number of years. I don't think that 2021 is a make-or-break season. I don't think necessarily if they're not, you know, in the World Series that that it's gone wrong this year. Quite frankly, I think even if they were to miss the playoffs, it still could be a potentially good season if there were enough steps forward. But I do think that this team has playoff potential, so I think that Mm, the ceiling is that they do get into the playoffs. Um, maybe in uh, the wild card spot, I think is probably the most attainable way to get into the playoffs for them. 
Um, that's kind of like big picture expectations. Um, you know, it just should be a year where we're seeing pretty substantial progress from the young players. I think the, the, um, the offense should be better than it was last year. I think even the pitching should be a little bit better um, than it was last year. Uh, that's at least the hope. I mean, that's kind of how they've built a lot of their pitching. You know, Robbie Ray was only with them for half season last year, but you know, the hope is that he progresses. Uh, the hope is that Nate Pearson has a better year than he had last year when he eventually returns. So yeah, like big picture, this is going to be, this should be a season, I should say, that you know, steps have to be taken um, and and progress has to be made. What about you? Well, I don't disagree. I am for the most part. I think that you're right that to win the division be a tall task because the New York Yankees are pretty clearly the best team in the division. And this, I should say before we go any further, that of course on this week's edition of Spin Rate, we speak with Lindsay Adler who covers those very Yankees for the athletics. So, We'll talk to Lindsay in a little bit. We talk a lot about the Yankees. We talk about a lot about the Blue Jays. It was a great chat. But the Yankees have a team, and one of the things we sort of touch on there, that maybe the Blue Jays would like to emulate, which is not unreasonable to say. Why would you not want to emulate a team that is capable of scoring like 900 runs on any given season? You know, a team that is that is got a super deep lineup. That doesn't necessarily matter if it's right-hand heavy or left-hand heavy. They just hit every single guy in that lineup for the most part can hit. And every team is going to fear getting battered by the Yankees. But I don't, I I think that the only way that the season could be considered a success without the Blue Jays making the playoffs is if something really unexpected happens. Like if the Red Sox come out of nowhere and win like 88 or 89 games, that might end up costing the Blue Jays a wild card spot, which, you know, if, which means that the Blue Jays win 86 or 87 games, then maybe that's like a, yeah, you know, I kind of get that. Um, I'm very much of the opinion that I think this is going to be a down year for the Rays. I think that given that, it only makes the, the, the slight urgency to make 2021 count for the Blue Jays that much greater. Because the Rays obviously made a few moves. Uh, there was trading Blake Snell, for example, where they were able to kind of reload. They've got another group of, of arms that are kind of on the march to the big leagues. And of course, the big one, Wander Franco, who's like the number one prospect in baseball, could be up, you know, at some, at some point this season will be an impact player. But I think now the Rays are more vulnerable than they were, they would be next year. Um, again, that's a team that went to the World Series and could have made additions to make them, make that team better, but they are the Rays. So they did the opposite. So the Blue Jays have the potential to have like uh, one of the five, four or five best offenses in baseball. I don't think that's unfair to say. I was, you know, if you look at uh, Fangraphs projections, for example, they have the Blue Jays among the highest run scoring teams in baseball. You don't have to look at much past the lineup, uh, uh, the the depth between George Springer, between Marcus Simeon, you know, the two big additions, plus full season, uh, hopefully of of Bobichet, of Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, you know, hopefully from good things from Danny Jansen, the the uh, God only knows what you're going to get from Alejandro Kirk, uh, Teoscar Hernandez. Like the Blue Jays can hit; they have, they can obviously hit. Uh, I think the only thing that could hold the Blue Jays back is the thing that everyone knows and acknowledges that's that could hold them back, which is a lack of of impact pitching or a lack of kind of like pitching depth in a more traditional sense. If you know the last week's show and all of our shows, I've been going on and on about how I think the Blue Jays are going to have a bit of more of a of an unconventional approach, and maybe they're going to be more like the Rays, and it's going to be a real whole staff affair and are going to use a whole ton of guys 
through you know bulk guys and this Merriweather will start and t- pitch two innings and then TJ Zoik's going to try to you know dance between the raindrops for a couple innings and then oh, on and on and on. So if that doesn't work, then they're not they don't stand a great chance of being a good team, a very good playoff team. But I think the offense is going to be good. I think the defense has a chance to be a little bit better. Um, you know, it would be hard for it to be worse. And the base running, I think, will still be awesome, which is to say it's going to be terrible, which is the best kind of terrible. So I think that the potential for the Blue Jays, the, the potential is there for them to have a very good uh, season, for them to be a playoff team. And I think that not being a playoff team, I think, it, or, or not even being not being in that conversation, again, should something unlikely happen, say, you know, the Red Sox go crazy or the Rays do crazy things, or if something, if the Angels, for example, I don't know, win a bunch of games, you know, God only knows, but... I don't think there's any real reason the Blue Jays shouldn't be in the playoff hunt and contention and shouldn't have that as a goal, not a, not a, not a nice to have, um, come September. Yeah. And I should clarify that I sort of mean that this season isn't make or break in the sense that they're not, they didn't build this team to contend this year and only this year, right? Like this is supposed to be a, a sustainable team. Um, and so the window should be opening this year, but I think that the whole idea is that this is only the start and, you know, next year and the year after and up until, uh, you know, Springer's contract runs out 2020, what is it? 2026, 2027, like far away now, but that's a long time. It's a long time. But I, I mean, I think, I think I'm just viewing this as the start of, what Mm -hmm. should hopefully be a better era for the Blue Jays. But I will agree with you. Like, I think you're right. Like, I think the goal certainly should be playoffs this year. Um, I'm kind of of the mind that, like, I know you're down on the Rays. I'm sort of, like, uncertain about the Rays. Like, I never know what to expect from them. I also saw that Fangraphs was actually fairly high on the Red Sox. And I even thought – I read some of our um, Red Sox content and – they could be a sneaky team just because I think their offense could be pretty good. I mean, their rotation is probably the same as the blue Jays. Like there's probably a lot of question marks with their pitching, but their offense, even last year, like their offense was pretty good. Like they, they still have that. Like they'll go grind away the Red Sox offense, right? Like they will put up pretty tough at bats and that makes them a hard team to face. Um, But I will also say that like, just kind of looking around at projections and stuff, like, There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of question marks just around the American League. So Hmm. in that way, like, I think because the Blue Jays do have a fairly solid offense, that does give them a leg up on a team where maybe they're not as stacked. Like, I think the White Sox have a lot of question marks right now. They still should probably be in the conversation in the AL Central, um, especially because the AL Central is, like, not the strongest division. But obviously, like, injuries um, are going to play a factor with – um, the White Sox. Um, mm. I know your Angels are probably going to be in the conversation as well, but I feel like the Angels always kind of hang around and something always happens with that team where, it, you know, they end up getting in their own way or something. So I, I think that I think that you're right. Like, I think the Blue Jays should be aiming for the play, postseason, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility whatsoever um, that, that, you know, but I, I do think that you're right. Like something unexpected could happen with another team. Um, and I just think that I still think a lot of the, most things on the blue Jays has to go right as well. Like it, it can't, the, the rotation can handle a few bumps along the way, but you know, it, it can't handle a lot of, 
catastrophic injury. Um, there's there's no enough depth. Can. Yeah, yeah. Like th- there's enough depth there, but but yeah, like I mean. Well, I think look, you, you sort of went around the league, and once you look beyond the the Blue Jays division, the non division kind of shoe ins. There's only two other teams that are even any good. You know, I think Kansas City is a team that is got some sexy pip energy, and especially you know Royals fans and stuff will tell you that that the team is exciting and they have a chance. They could maybe run up on on somebody and come out of nowhere. Uh, Cleveland maybe a team that's being a little overlooked, but like the Blue Jays have to be better than that. They have to be better than those teams. And I've I've said this a few times, and I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I, I I truly think the Red Sox have the chance to absolutely ruin somebody's summer, and and it could well be the Rays. Um, or it could be the Blue Jays. You know, we've seen this before. Where especially when things get really tightly packed, if the Red Sox go nuts and win, you know, twelve of eighteen games against the Blue Jays, or twelve of eighteen games against the Rays, or whatever it is, that could effectively push make be the difference between that team contending and that team watching. And and uh, again, expectations are always always simultaneously low and high for the Rays. I think internally, you know, they don't spend any money, so everyone's like, "Well, what anything they do, it's all house money." And but also, there's so much devil magic associated with the Rays that we just are now at this point just assuming they're going to be good, and assuming that every trade that they've made is going to work out, and assuming that they're going to be able to cobble together a lineup. Even though, you know, you know, we if you look at, think about the depth of the Blue Jays lineup, and the depth of the Yankees lineup, and the depth of the Red Sox lineup in terms of in terms of impact players and like really productive. Uh, hitters and guys who you know on the Blue Jays side in particular have maybe it's a little bit couched in in potential, but like who are the good hitters on the Rays? Are we are we here? Are we here saying that Rand, Randy Rosarena, Randy Rosarena, after like forty at bats, is somehow going to be like the the chosen one? Kevin Kiermeyer is is he going to save the day? You know, uh, G Man Choi was hurt. I saw today. You know, Mike Zunino can't hit. But he hit a home run against the stupid Blue Jays or whatever. But like, fuck the Rays. But also, <laughs> it's just you know they they have they they're always there. But I really think that the Red Sox are a team that's going to uh, like ha- that could ruin things. But also, they their their Achilles heels are a bit more profound than the Blue Jays, unless you know Chris Sale comes back even a little bit earlier than expected and steps in and is immediately Chris Sale, which is you know freakish in in, in nature and terrifying um but also like one of the most fun pitchers to watch i've ever seen in my life so i i don't know it, the time i don't want to i don't want to say that there's there needs to be urgency but you know sure they've signed george springer for three years but the first the last two years of that deal are you need to be paid for by the first two and three because he is still you know he he needs to be good at the at the at the outset you know, with the back end being the decline years, you have to that that's been worked into the the deal where George Springer is going to be has the potential to be an impact player now, not in twenty twenty six, not in twenty twenty five. He's not going to be an impact player. He's going to be a role player who can maybe you know help out. But now he needs to be an impact player. Now the rest of the team is going to is hopefully uh, is being asked to rise to meet him at a, at a high level, such to uh, to build a team. So. I don't know. Is there anyone in particular who do you do, is there somebody that that we're maybe underrating or overlooking when we talk about the Blue Jays it always it's 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 Springer and then it's Bo, Bichette, and then it's Vlad, you know, is there someone that maybe we've overlooked that you think could could have a big year this year? Um on the hitting side, um uh, your boy T. Oscar Hernandez, I think there's there's a lot of hope that he just kind of picks up where he left off last year. Um he had kind of a quiet spring. And quite frankly, I just, 
wasn't writing about him. So I didn't really look deeply. I think he had a fine spring. I don't think there was any sort of distressing signs. And I think he just flew under the radar because there was so much else happening with the Blue Jays. Um, and he's kind of a quiet guy and he just kind of flies under the radar. And so um, I, we, we finally asked about him a couple of days ago and, you know, Charlie said like, he, you know, he looks good, looks the same. They kind of think that he can continue where he left off last year. Um, I, I think the thing with Teoscar Hernandez is just you, you want that consistency. And he had that last year. He sustained that f- for most of the season. Obviously he missed a little time with injury, but 50 games, he was pretty consistent throughout that 50 game. That's a pretty good sample size, but we've also seen him go on stretches um, where he's looked really good. And then he's kind of fallen off a little bit. So I will be watching him for consistency, but I also will say that it, it's not just last year where he looked good. It kind of dates back to the second half of 2019 where he started to turn, turn things around. So once you look at that, you're starting to look at a bigger sample size, almost a full sample, a full season sample size. Um, when you add those two periods together. So he would be a guy that I would think, um, you know, if Vlad is taking off and then you have, you know, um, Springer and Simeon doing what they're, you're paying them to do. And then also you have like, uh, a 30 home run hitter and Teoscar Hernandez. Like, of course the Blue Jays lineup is going to look really dangerous. I'll also just mention another guy that kind of flies under the radar a little bit too is Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I think that there's a little bit of similarities between um, him in the sense that sometimes consistency has been a thing where he struggled with. He can go on like really hot streaky tears and then he can drop off a little bit. Health has been a little bit, bit of a question mark with him. Um, staying healthy is important. Um, but he's a guy that's just like a really pure hitter. Like I've talked to, I like back in 2019, even when he was going on these streaks where he was just like hitting everything. And I just remember some of his teammates telling me like, he's the guy on the team that is just the, the best pure hitter. Like he can hit anything like, you know, fastball, breaking ball, any kind of pitch he can, he can hit it. Like he really um, can adjust that way. And I think he just kind of has that like pure ability. He just like looks like a hitter. So he's another guy that he'll probably, I mean, the Blue Jays lineup is so stacked that I think I wrote something along the lines of Lourdes Gurriel Jr. could be one of the most, one of the best hitters on the team and he's hitting like six. So um, that, that just tells you what this Blue Jays lineup could potentially be this year. Um, and so those are two, two names that stick out to me. Um, what about you? Like, I don't know. I covered the offense, but maybe you have another guy, Kirk, maybe. Well, I think a lot about Gurriel Jr. as well, because he's definitely a player that I sort of underrate and almost like just, I don't think about him a lot because I just really don't know what to make of him. It's really, he's hard to pin down. Um, he has been extremely, uh, productive as a big league hitter for like long stretches well, of course, you know, there are those fallow periods where, you know, he kind of swings at everything and he just sort of looks at, looks a little lost. And, you know, he was, I think, wasn't he like a gold glove finalist or something crazy like that? Mm-hmm. Which doesn't make yeah. any sense to me because I'm I'm not convinced that he's even, you know, he's borderline incompetent in the outfield in my, from, from what I can get a sense of. But I, I think that that he is, he's just one of those, those players that we'll, maybe we'll look up at the end of the year and it's like, Oh, he was, you know, has like a 120 weighted runs created plus like he hit 26 home runs. Like where did all this come? I don't, I don't remember any of them. Did he hit, did mm-hmm. he really hit any of them? And then you look at the end of the day and you're like, Oh, he's good. And it's like, Oh, he's like a, he's kind of a, in a, in a, in a way, a, a really good number three hitter, which 
is is a little f- interesting because when I think about a number three hitter, I think about you know Vernon Wells, someone who is you know not your best hitter, but someone who can run into one at all times, and if there's somebody on base, they can they can not drive in a home run. I think that's sort of the Iron Age, Bronze Age lineup construction where it's like at a really high OB guy number one, maybe your best overall hitter number two, and then a then an all lights out guy. I feel like you know Bobichet could be that in a little ways as a number three hitter, and then Guriel can be that a little bit. Uh, you know, even Randall Gritchick, when he gets in there, he's kind of got that a similar sort of uh, boomer bust profile. Um, I think another one offensively is, is Danny Jansen um, and, and defensively, too. I think obviously Kirk, Kirk can hit. Right. That's why he's here. That's why he made the team. That's why he they're going to keep put, they're going to keep putting Alejandro Kirk in a position to show that he can't hit by allowing him to continue to hit. And when, when it's like, oh, OK, he can't hit anymore or they, they figured him out, then it's time to reassess. But. I'm really interested to see what Danny Jansen can do uh, offensively and defensively. Now, I don't want to put too much stock into a 60-game uh, uh, sample, um, but in terms of the framing and some of the defensive numbers, they weren't quite as strong in 2020 as they were in 2019. Uh, I don't know that necessarily that that is 100% predictive, but I think that if he has, if he's able to to hit, you know, as what as we would have expected as when he was coming up. And then also maintain like a really strong defensive profile. Like that's a really good and valuable player. And, and you can do a lot with the, the old, call me a, again, I'm, I'm all about old cliches today, but like strength up the middle. And if you can, if you can have a really, uh, a, a league average or, or even slightly, you know, slightly above behind the plate with really strong defensive skills. And then you can have, you know, Bichette and, and, uh, and Mark Simeon, who again were sort of just, a little, we just, there's a lot to talk about with the Blue Jays and maybe Marcus Simeon doesn't get talked about all the time. And then if you've got Springer in center field, like that's the makings of a really good team. And then everybody who's listening to this, who's heard this show before, um, uh, knows how I feel about what I think, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is capable of doing this season. And if you haven't listened to this show before, let me just say thanks so much for checking us out. If you haven't, I think you should subscribe to the show, subscribe on all the podcast. There's, I keep seeing every time I, I start trying to list my laundry list of podcast players, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, uh, Stitcher. There's more. There's all these other apps that people use. But whatever one you use, subscribe to Spin Rate. And if you do, and you don't subscribe to The Athletic, I think you're making a mistake. So you should go to theathletic.com slash spin rate. They give you a nice deal. And it lets the bosses know that Caitlin and I are here adding value. Because that's really what it's all about at the end of the day. And I think that that's the Blue Jays, you know, it, the position player list is so short because they're running such a short bench and such a deep position, uh, such a deep... Um, such a deep bullpen, but there are lots of different guys. I think that can, in fact, add value to to what figures to be a, a really good team, or hopes to be a really good team. It's you don't have to squint to make it a really good team. Now, that said, there are some changes. There are some sort of unexpected wrinkles in the in the twenty six uh, player opening day roster that maybe we wouldn't have projected as such, but. There we have. There were obviously there were some late news. Francisco Liriano did not make the team. Ted Mesa did. Alejandro Kirk made the team. Joe Panic made the team. Uh, some some you know big news. I think that's great for 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 Tim Mesa. Uh, Ross Stripling is going to be a starter as Robbie Ray is going to start the season on, on the injured list as is George Springer. So I don't know, Caitlin. A little bit of a flurry of transactions or a flurry of kind of roster machinations here as the as they come down to the wire before the team heads north ish to start the 2021 campaign. 
Yeah, I mean, none of them are entirely unexpected because they've kind of been hinting at them for the last couple of days. I think that I was of the mind that George Springer was probably going on the IL to start the season just because obliques, you want to be careful with them. And it's a 162 season and he can, if everything goes well and he only misses 10 days and he only misses six games and he can make his season debut at the home opener in Dunedin on April 8th, uh, that would be a best case scenario. But time will tell if he's even ready by then. And I think it's not even a disaster if he's not quite ready by then. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of runway. And the most important thing is to be careful with towards Springer and his oblique. You want him um, as healthy for a long period as possible. You don't want him stopping and starting with this same sort of injury. Um, you know, a good a good story to emerge out of the George Springer injury somewhat is that there's room on the roster for um, an, another guy like um, – Jonathan Davis. I think Jonathan Davis is a great story for the Blue Jays. He's a homegrown guy. He is um, one of the everyone around baseball, everybody that meets Jonathan Davis will say he's one of the better guys on the team in baseball. Just a lovely guy to talk to, a lovely guy to deal with. And, and one of those guys there, you, you are just frankly happy to see him on opening day, getting that first opening day. Um, appearance for for himself and his family also so um that was a nice story to emerge the last couple of days the blue jays love jonathan davis i remember like when we were talking about my mark shapiro interview a couple of weeks ago and i asked mark shapiro like you know who's a player that we don't quite talk enough, uh, enough about um on the blue jays and he mentioned danny jansen and he also mentioned jonathan davis and and he's one of the guys that i'm talking about like he just raved about the person that jonathan davis is and and he, he's one of those players that you know on another team, he might have already been a fourth outfielder. The Blue Jays are kind of, um, you know, they sort of have uh, a surplus of outfielders this year. Um, I think Jonathan Davis really profiles really well as a fourth outfielder, especially on this team, because he's a really strong defensive outfielder, which um, the Blue Jays, you know, they don't have a, a lot of defensive outfielders. I mean, George Springer is capable out there. Like you said, Lourdes Gurriel is sort of a question mark still. Um, T. Oscar is kind of the question mark as well. And, and Gritchuk's question mark, pretty, indeed. <laughs> and, uh, Randall Gritchuk's, you know, a, you know, average in the outfield, above average slightly, probably in right field. But Jonathan Davis, really good um, defensive guy out there. And you're just happy to see him get that um, opening day roster spot. Let me say something. Okay. For a team like the Blue Jays, that's not a favorite, right? We've already established that that they they have the potential to be a very to, to be a strong team to you know get in the playoffs, you know earn a playoff spot as potentially as a wild card. A team like that sometimes the things that need to to push them over the edge or can really take a good team and and even if it's just temporarily turn them into a great team or at least a an exciting team is when someone can kind of catch lightning in a bottle and have a career season out of nowhere to the point that they steal somebody's job. And I obviously have great affection for Teoscar Hernandez's vibe. I love everything that he does. Again, I, uh, we just spoke about Lourdes Gurriel Jr. If Jonathan Davis was able to steal somebody's job, like to the if, if Jonathan Davis takes George Springer's early season injury as an opportunity to just like put himself in a position where they can't keep him out of the lineup – that would be awesome. 
that would be awesome for him as you've already explained that he's a guy that everybody cheers for he's got he's got his own set of good vibes that follow him around but even just for the team because you know Guriel and and Teoscar they have their pluses they have their minuses Teoscar you know had a great season last year there shouldn't be an expectation for him to repeat it again guys are allowed to have have career seasons even if it's only 50 games long so if Jonathan Davis was able to be like make it abundantly clear that even just for one year He's an upgrade on all of them except for Springer, and the Blue Jays have to move heaven and earth to get him in the lineup. That would be a great story, and it would be great for uh, for the ball club. It would be great to that would make them better instantly. If if he was better than than two players who are have a pretty high floor, I would say you know between uh, uh, the bats of of Hernandez and Gurriel, um, if if he could supplant those two guys, I think that would be really really cool to see, and it would really go a long way to making them like a, an even better team. Yeah. And I think one thing that's been interesting about how the Blue Jays are building this roster and, um, you know, the Blue Jays have done things in the past where like they've manipulated service time. They've done some things, things that all teams do, right? Like send, you know, sending guys down because they have options and all that kind of stuff. Like all that stuff happens in baseball. It's kind of part of the business, but we'll say that I've saw this pointed out on Twitter a few times for some of my colleagues. And and I, I agree with this is that the Blue Jays have shown, um, a willingness to just build the best team this year and not necessarily consider, Oh, what is the um, best thing for roster um, management? So like Reese McGuire um, looks like he's not going to be on the team. I mean, maybe there's a tiny, tiny chance they go with three catchers, but I don't think that's likely Charlie Montoyo sort of leaned and said today they're leaning to fill out the rest of the roster with pitchers. So that sort of means that Reese McGuire is going to be exposed to waivers. Um, you look at a guy like Tim Meza, who you just mentioned, um, he won the job and Tim Meza, I even wrote earlier this spring, like maybe Tim Meza doesn't make the team simply because he has options left and he can go up and down. And that's kind of a, a sometimes teams like to keep some of those guys handy um, in the minor so they can call up, get a fresh arm. But Tim Meza had an amazing spring he didn't allow a run. He didn't, I think he allowed like one hit. I know it's a, you know, spring training and whatnot, but he's coming back from Tommy John. Like he's a credit an incredible journey, incredible story. And he won out the job. And I think a lot of us were sort of not jaded, but we just sort of understood like, well, the, the blue Jays could take Liriano because he has an opt out. You put him on the team and you can up and down Mesa. And, and that would be sort of a roster management move. They didn't do that. They took Mesa. He won the job out and they lose Liriano. He, goes elsewhere, looks for a job elsewhere. Um, like I said, Reese was the same thing. There's other, there's probably other examples of it. Like Jonathan Davis is also a guy, like he had, he has options. He can go up and down. But as you say, like if he plays to an, uh, plays to an ability where he doesn't look like he should be sent down, either the Blue Jays have shown a willingness to let guys play if they aren't a job this year. So um, he's, he's definitely, Jonathan Davis is definitely an option to be sent down just because he does have those um, does have options. But yeah, I, I am sort of um, of the mind that the Blue Jays are really keen to just keep the best players on the team this year. Unless of course they're not on the 40 man roster <laughs> because, well, well, as we have, we discussed a little bit with Lindsay uh, who you'll hear in just a few minutes, but also uh, as has been kind of understood that, uh, it looks like TJ Zoik has the chance to uh, will make the start in what looks like or will at least pitch in the third game of the year. TJ Zoik is not uh, Alec Manoa, uh, <laughs> where maybe if it's really, truly balls to the wall, win every single game humanly possible, 
you make a different kind of move. You, 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 you rush Manoa, but, uh, although it's not, is it really a rush? Because you're talking, I think we talked about this with Keith Law. Like this is a, a college pitcher who was pitching in one of the best conferences around. Like this isn't a guy that's that, that was just kicking it around in sand fields, striking out me and my friends, right? Like this is, this is a, this is a borderline professional pitcher who's now professional, ready to make you start. But, but, you know, those guys are waiting. And, and while there doesn't look right, it's so easy to over, overreact and overcorrect to the, what the, what's the snapshot on opening day. And, you know, I'm sure that come September will be like TJ Zoik started the third game of the year at Yankee Stadium and he lived to tell the tale. Like that, that, that has the chance to be crazy. But there are the Simeon Woods Richardsons and there are the Alec, Alec Manoas and there are, there are, you know, another, another wave. There is a talented wave of, of, players waiting in the wings and and that have the chance to make a contribution not just um in the future but potentially you know this season yeah um and i think that this season is going to take a, a collective effort from the pitching side so i wouldn't be surprised if um you saw someone like alec manoa in the second half of the year, maybe September call up or something um, that way. That's, um, you know, and maybe he makes his debut out of the bullpen because that could be an option for the Blue Jays if they need, I don't know if they're in, um, in if they're playing really meaningful games in September and they need a, an arm out of the bullpen. Um, that's certainly an, an option they could go with. I, I mean, I'm probably going to um, disagree with you a little bit just because I think that, I, I mean, I'm certainly not surprised at all that like Alec Manoa and, and Simeon Woods Richardson aren't, aren't on the opening day roster like that. It's never going to happen. I, um, you know, think that there's obviously development that they need to have. I mean, they haven't really pitched in like actual games since 2019. <laughs> so we'll rectify that by sending them to the alternate site where they will not pitch in, in actual games. Well, they will in May. You know, they're only going to wait a month. <laughs> Season will be over by May. <laughs> but you know what? Let's. This has been good. I'm glad that you disagreed because uh, I'm wrong. Uh, but let's take a break and then let's talk with Lindsay Adler of the Athletic. Let's talk to her about the Yankees. Let's talk to her about Toronto. We don't talk to her enough about Tim Lincecum, but that that's for the DMs. So we'll take a break. We'll talk to Lindsay. We'll come back. We'll go over your. We're going to put. I'm going to put you in the hot seat, Caitlin McGrath. The predictions for the 2021 season on this opening day edition of Spin Rate. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, as we mentioned before, it's our pleasure at this time 
to be joined by Yankees beat writer. You read her right here on The Athletic. You follow her on Twitter, where you are always guaranteed a good time. Lindsay Adler of The Athletic. Thank you, Lindsay, for taking the time to join us. Hey, perfect timing, isn't it? You couldn't pick a better time. Uh, and also, you're the rare person who gets complimented on their tweets, which, you know, I think that this is this is a momentous day. I mean, it's, it's misguided, but appreciated, I guess. Listen, you are of a select group of people who tweet about both baseball and saves the day speri- uh, periodically. So you're like already in, in elite, elite company. Speaking mm-hmm. of elite company, few teams can hope to be as elite as the Yankees. We're trying real hard here early on. It's, a, it's opening day for everybody. Yankees have high hopes coming into the season, but are those hopes going to be matched by the production on the field? I mean, this is a team with obviously a ton of potential and a ton of production that's like waiting in the wings, but there's also a lot of question marks. I don't know. What, what's the sense around the team here uh, as we head into the 2021 season? I mean, they've... They had a better spring training than they have in a couple of years. They escaped out of it with, you know, mostly avoiding injuries. They, uh, Zach Britton needed elbow surgery and Luke Voigt needed knee surgery, but pretty much other than that, like they're basically good to go. Um, at least in the first, you know, by the end of April. Um, so it, I mean, it really is just the, the high upside, but high risk type of team. It's, it's hard to know what Corey Kluber and Jamison Tyone and even Domingo Herman are really going to be able to contribute behind Garrett Cole and alongside Jordan Montgomery and Davey Garcia at some point. So it's, it's a lot of innings management. It's a lot of workload management, but then once you get into the lineup, you know, you have guys who, if they're in, if, you know, if, if five or six out of nine of them, are playing well at that time, you're probably going to win most of your games. So, but it's, it's just the health and um, it's been the question over the last few years. And honestly, I think a lot of people would like to talk about anything else. Um, Even if it's, I mean, it's just, it's repetitive, but um, it's, it's another one of those things where I'm like, get back to me in June, get back to me in July. And I guess we'll see how things go in the first six weeks or so least of the season it's it's odd because you know i think a lot of people a lot of fans when they think about the yankees it's always like what's the big splash and there there definitely wasn't a big splash i think there were a lot of fans you know yankees fans who were expecting a lot you know with the starting pitching beat that was in available and in the market but instead there are these sort of um uh, I, I wouldn't call scrap heap. I don't think that uh, Jamison Tyone is something any, any, on anybody's scrap heap, but you know, not a big frontline name. Corey Kluber is a name, but also someone who has barely pitched and has really has had trouble throwing strikes over over the um, you know throughout the spring. So I mean, you know, you, as you said, you know, talk to you in June, and, and there are you know lots of different question marks, but but. You know, if if things do come together, this of course, even in the starting pitching, like based on what Tyone has shown and based on what Kluber can, can do, this is this still has the potential to be like a 100 win juggernaut. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's just, you know, for for the Yankees, there's a lot. It's there, there's a lot that can be said between a 90 win team and a 105 win, you know, or even a 100 win team. Um, they need to be. 95 or above for it to be a passable season 
you know, in the, in the eyes of their expectations, basically, which is really a lot to ask for um, from any collection of talent, I guess. Um, I want to ask Lindsay, like, to just to go back to the offseason a little bit, specifically DJ LeMayhew. Did you ever doubt that he wouldn't be a Yankee? Because obviously the rumors existed and actually he had been tied to the Blue Jays. And I think there was an argument that he would actually fit really nicely with the Blue Jays, especially like positionally, like his versatility, all that kind of stuff. The bat obviously would be great at the top of their lineup. Um, He went back to the Yankees. Did you ever have any doubt that, you know, he would go elsewhere or did you think that the Yankees and DJ would, would come to terms and would agree on something? Yeah. I mean, I figured that they would come to terms. I mean, it would have had to have been pretty, pretty ugly, I think for, for DJ to leave. I mean, I think, DJ knows his value and, you know, he has a certain threshold for how he expects to uh, be viewed in that regard. But no, it was the, the question to me was not necessarily like, is he going to go elsewhere? It was, it, I guess it wasn't, does he want to go elsewhere? It was going to be, what would it take for him to get like annoyed enough or to, to sort of even the playing field for, for everyone else um, for him to leave, which, um, obviously it did not get there. They, they sorted it out and it seemed to me like a contract that, you know, was basically what each of them was probably looking for in, in that situation. Not annoyed enough to come to Canada. That seems like it's, uh, you know, been a, been a nonstop lament since 2016. We're like, yeah, we're moving to Canada. DJ he, would, he would get to play in lovely Buffalo. Yeah. His, his mom is Canadian, I believe. Really? Interesting. Yep. I didn't know that. Great Canadian DJ LeMahieu. Catch him at the World Baseball Classic with Freddie Freeman. Great Canadian <laughs> Freddie Freeman. Uh, Lindsay, who do you think is the most like interesting Yankee to kind of watch this year? You know, obviously, I have my bias picks. I I, I have been uh, uh, just really taken by Giancarlo Stanton's entire career. Again, like one of the truly one of the best power hitters who may have ever played the game, and a guy who's who Yankees fans hate. I think is, is I don't think I'm speaking out of turn where. There's been there's a lot of obviously he's hurt a lot, but even his first season in New York was was really good, but not you know 59 home runs good, but but uh, you know with between him and Gary Sanchez and and there's just so many interesting players and, and moving pieces on the team. Is there somebody that you find, would say is like that's the guy that is is really the one you want to watch this season if you're a Yankees fan or uh, perversely a Blue Jays fan? I mean, it's just John Carlo. It, yeah. it remains John Carlo. You know, like Garrett Cole being on the mound every fifth or, you know, most fifth days, um, gives them the best chance to win. I believe Aaron judge, when he's in the lineup, he completely changes, um, just, just the way that pitchers face them. But John Carlo, he's like the, he's like the difference maker, you know, it's like his, this is going to sound nuts. And like, I don't actually mean this from like a statistic sense, but like John Carlo in terms of like the Yankees, like potentially high productive superstars, he's like the most like win probability added guy you know like you you get like the the baseline production from Garrett which is still pretty hot pretty I mean very high you know but if you get about you know what what Garrett is satisfied with that's one thing but Giancarlo it's really the one where you can sort of just completely change change the game you know like just it it's he's the guy who when it comes off the bat you you know it's gone it just it's it's instantaneous how quickly it changes it. And so it's, it's, I don't even know how to explain it. It just definitely kept sort of 
coming up when I was thinking about like, you know, what is the lineup going to look like? What is the health situation going to look like? Um, I can't necessarily define it, but Giancarlo is definitely the one who I think um, things go well, can be really, really interesting this year. There's no, you know, they used to talk about lineup, you know, the depth of your lineup is kind of increases exponentially. And he's definitely the kind of guy that can be that exponent, that, that exponent factor when you start to add in, you know, people will make snide comments about DJ LeMay being a professional hitter and whatever else. But like, there's a lot of really good at bats in that Yankees lineup. And the more at bats that you give to Giancarlo Stanton, uh, the more runs are going to score. You know, you, like the, you, that's the only baseline for me is how much is he going to be on the field? Because if he's on the field, even if he's not as productive as he could be, he's still a really mm-hmm. productive and really, um, like you said, game changing offensive player. Uh, I know there's a, a, a another important player that you mentioned, and and I know that you've you talked to him quite a bit. Zach Britton is a, is a guy who has like a ton of value, maybe even in the clubhouse and stuff. I know he's he's very involved in um, some of the other like off field issues when it comes to the Yankees. Obviously, the missing missing a great reliever like that is going to be huge. Uh, what are what is what is that? What do you think that? impact as well as the larger impact of missing Britain for uh, for a few months of the season. He went on to the 60-day DL today. Yeah, um, got to be honest, I was a little bit surprised to see that it was a 60-day. I mean, they really needed the spot from a roster management standpoint, but like that was not really the timeline that I was operating under for Britain, which is interesting. So you know, Justin Wilson, he's, he's starting the season on the injured list, but he's, he's throwing off the mound. He had shoulder tightness toward the end of spring training. So he, he, he's starting on the IL because he still needs time to build back up. Um, but I, I mean, Britain is just like so consistent he's so reliable. Um, it's nice to really have him there as a, as a second closer in case anything goes wrong with Aroldis Chapman or if Chapman is, is overworked. Yankees are really strict about how they use their relievers. Um, But, you know, if you get if for the rest of, you know, the next two months, you have Chapman, Wilson, Darren O'Day, Chad Green, Jonathan Loisaga, and then a number of like more flexible guys like Nick Nelson. Um, It, it, Zach, Zach definitely makes a huge difference, but they also, I think improved the bullpen, um, you know, coming into this season to begin with, which probably gives them a little bit more cushion. Lindsay, like, what do you think the Yankees took away from last season and learned from it and are bringing it into this season? Cause from like me covering the blue Jays, even though last year was a weird 60 game season, I think the blue Jays actually gained some valuable experience and lessons in that season part of it was that they learned to play in unideal circumstances which obviously playing in buffalo that's going to become be be handy this year again because they're going to be playing in dunedin and, and then probably buffalo again and so they learned to um you know play as a unit um stay focused they also gained all this playoff experience and the yankees had a sort of weird season last year in the sense that they started out really well then they went on that kind of awful stretch there where it almost seemed like they were like, frankly, like bored of being good and they were just like bad for a while. And then they kind of got it together. And so I just like wondered, like, do they just throw away that 60 game season? Because some teams might, 
But from my point of view, I feel like the Blue Jays actually took away a lot from the 60-game season. So I'm just interested, like, how you think they, um, what they take away from that, how they view that season, and then, like, you know, how do they improve on it for this year? Yeah, I think I hadn't really thought about that with the Blue Jays, but, like, the Blue Jays, the Marlins, um, the White Sox, like, those are teams that should, you know, sort of keep that season in their in the back of their minds. But, no, the, the Yankees, I mean, for – pretty much everyone. I'm just like discarding what I saw last year, you know, especially like labor Torres who was out of shape and he was just like really struggling with the environment. Um, you know, even Garrett Cole, he's like settling in, giving up home runs, blah, blah, blah. Um, then they had a bunch of guys get injured and, but people throughout the league were getting injured. So I really do just think that sort of like for the most part, like, that, that has been one of my big takeaways this spring is like, you're still seeing guys wearing masks. You're still seeing them in like weird situations or whatever, but like they just seem a lot less miserable. And so when I realized throughout the course of spring, just like how miserable it was at points for the Yankees. And I think that that bad slide that they had in Buffalo last year, like, I don't think that they were bored. I just think that they were just like so far from having fun mm-hmm. with that season. Yeah. That's fair too. So I, I just, I'm going into this year not seeing any of what I, or not seeing, not considering most of what I saw last year to be predictive of, of how they will perform this year. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think for the Blue Jays, it's almost like the numbers you can throw away. I mean, there's certainly some numbers, like there's certainly some players where you would like to see those numbers repeat this year. But I think a lot for me has just been like the intangible takeaways that the Blue Jays had of the 60 game season. And and for that reason, I think you're right that there are a few select teams where they're not going to throw away that year. Like they actually could gain some um, valuable lessons and, and it is a season where they actually kind of like want to look back on it um, and, and like be sort of somewhat like, grateful for what they experienced during it um, because it's probably going to help them this season. I gained a lot of experience too, uh, talking shit to Yankees fans after that series in Buffalo that I, uh, I wouldn't say that I regret or regretted, but I learned I, there was, there was a rather swift comeuppance as there almost always is whenever I engage with my delightful Yankees fans, friends. Uh, one person that might be able to help the Yankees sort of flush that, that 60 game season. And, and is really, uh, I think in a lot of ways, key is to key to the success. And someone you wrote a really interesting story about uh, hitting coach Marcus, Marcus Timms. Uh, you know, we take for granted the, I think the, the superstar factor and that, you know, that Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton or, or any of these Aaron Hicks, like they, they still need direction. They still need support. They still need instruction. Uh, I, I don't want to just say, tell us about your story, but, but how do you feel like a, like a guy like that, that's so respected and has got su- su- such success is going to be able to help them sort of move past that 60 game season and look ahead with, uh, with, uh, with lots of opportunity faced uh, presented by 2021. I mean, I think it's sort of like, I think it's sort of, it goes two ways. You know, you can look at the 2019 season where they had all of these injuries and then they just had all of these random guys come in and contribute. And it's like, so sort of at the lower tiers, or I guess the, the tiers of like less playing time on the Yankees roster or sort of on the roster bubble, like Marcus is a really credible person for, for them. Like they can listen to Marcus say like, you know, go to the alternate site, work. 
they know that he will be invested. They know we'll, that he will be checking in on them. And so the idea is sort of building a culture where like, even if you get sent to the alternate site, like if you come back, like, you know, at least how to put things together so that you perform. But then, you know, something that someone mentioned to me that I found pretty interesting and hadn't previously considered was like, Marcus and an assistant coach, uh, PJ, their, their whole thing is, you know, like treat every guy like they're just a hitter. Um, and, you know, for someone like John Carlos Stanton, like a lot of his cage work, like he, he doesn't really like to hit on, hit on the field a lot. He likes sitting in the cage. His cage work is very focused on getting him like prepared for in-game situations, whether it's, you know, drills that help him sort of like read the strike zone better or whether it's, um, you know, facing something that sort of simulates or um, simulates like game, game, like velocity and pitching. Um, but like, if you're John Carlos Stanton, like, I imagine like the last thing that you want to feel from your, from your hitting coach is like, is like, they see you as a superstar as if they see you as someone who like they're intimidated by, um, like, where can that man go in the world where he gets treated like a normal person and not his size, not his status, not his money. Like if there's one place for that, like it should be in the batting cage. And so I think, um, you know, Marcus is, they, they trust him. He's, he's honest with them. He's not going to sugarcoat it, but he's, he's had a lot of, you know, personal and professional highs and lows too. And so they, um, they, they understand that he, that he, what he is sort of looking at and why he is giving them this information, which, you know, the, the best outcome for a hitting coach is that nobody ever thinks about them. Um, like as a hitting coach, you want to be invisible because it, you're never going to get credit for Aaron judge going on a hot streak. Um, Aaron judge is never going to say, you know, Marcus pointed out X, Y, Z. So the only time your name is going to come up is when someone's in a slump and, a fan wants you fired or something. So like stay behind the scenes, fly, fly under the radar. And that's why I think it's hard to, I think it's hard for people who are not in the batting cages um, to, to understand what, what a hitting coach does and what value they can bring. What about you this year? Uh, what are your plans? I know that uh, by according to social media, you have been vaccinated against COVID nineteen, which is a uh, shout out to you in the great state of New York. Uh, so, are you? Do you think you're going to be doing some or any traveling? Is there opportunity? Might we see you? Not me, but Lindsay or maybe Caitlin in Buffalo. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Mighty Taco, it's all right there. I thought you were going to say Toronto. Um, you 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 really got my hopes up. Um, no, I, I don't think I will be going to Buffalo. Um, what, I don't about know. Da, what about Dunedin? I probably need to figure if I am traveling next week. Um, so actually, I will probably have an answer on that one soon. And, um, <laughs> you know. It's, but, but for now, it's up in the air. It's not unfair to say. Yeah, um, mostly because I'm a forgetful procrastinator um, and just need to send an email. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the nice thing with, with zoom for as the situation is right now is like, I'm not going to go on every small random road trip. Um, Like, I don't think that is what would even be authorized, but like, whatever. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to travel for the important series. Um, 
but I think things are expected to change in terms of access and, and sort of how the season looks um, pretty quickly here. So it's like, I'm going in expecting one sort of, you know, uh, temperament for travel or covering games in person or whatever. And then it could, it could completely change within a month down here, I think. Well, to, well, on opening day, uh, Thursday, you won't be traveling. So what are you looking forward to this opening series? Like I have already received some tweets from angry Yankees fans who are mad because they won't be able to boo George Springer this weekend. Mm. Um, <laughs> and uh, I they setting up, I should have looked at this before to set up the Yankees side, but setting up the Blue Jays side, obviously we know that Hanjin Ryu will be the opening day starter. They're going to start Ross Stripling in the game two, and then they're still kind of undecided on game three, but it's probably going to be TJ's wake or some combination of um, like a bullpen day kind of thing. Um, but that's kind of how it's shaping up. Um, obviously the Yankees are going to go with Garrett Cole on um, game one and game two, I think is going to be Corey Kluber. Not sure who's after that um, should have looked, but um, you can fill that in. But what, what are you looking forward to? Because I know you like to watch the Blue Jays or you're maybe second favorite AL East team to watch maybe. I don't know. know. Lizzie likes Toronto that much. We know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Blue Jays are just an extension of Toronto. Are they? I I don't really go I, like in the past, I didn't really go to tr- go to Toronto to go to Blue Jays games. I went to Blue Jays games to go to Toronto and Canada. Um, yeah, it'll go Cole Kluber and then Domingo Herman. Okay. Um, I think you know, like I've seen, I've seen the Blue Jays lineup over the last couple of years. Um, obviously, I'm interested to see how skinny Vlad develops this year or whatever. But like, I think the thing is like. I was, I think I'm underestimating Blue Jays pitching, um, mm-hmm. but also I may, I may not be, you know, yeah. like I, you know, in recent years, I've sort of thought of them as like the angels North. Um, wow. They, it, wow. The that... terrorize Yankees pitchers, like Arch. isn't, isn't Randall Grichuk like starting like two or two out of three of these games or something like that? Or all of them. I wouldn't well, be probably because George Springer's out now too, so that probably yeah. makes him more of an option. Absolute Yankee killer, you know. So it's mm. like I they've they've really been sort of like yin and yang for like a couple of years, where the Yankees pitching is their weakness, but even when injured, they can hit. Um, the not yin and yang they've sort of followed the same parallels, mm-hmm. and so it's sort of like just shit show games. Mm. Um, Last year was just like one blowout after another. It was yeah. crazy. It was just never no close games. Unwatchable. So <laughs> I'm to see sort of like what the um, what the Blue Jays look like is like in, with with another year of like maturation or whatever. No, like when you were talking about the Yankees and like the lineup, like that is kind of the model the Blue Jays are going for. Like, and I think you wrote something in your preview, which really struck with me, um, which is that like with a lineup like the Yankees, the the advantage or the hope is that because they're all such good hitters, 
they're all not going to slump at the same time. So when one guy's slumping, another guy's on a hot streak. And so it all kind of works out because it's okay to have a one or two or three guys slumping at once if six other guys are hitting. And I think that's kind of like the way the Blue Jays, that would be an ideal scenario for the Blue Jays too, is if you have like six guys hitting, it's okay if like, you know, um, Boba has a slow week or, or Vlad has a slow week because the hope is that other guys pick them up. And, and I don't think Blue Jays are quite at the Yankees level yet, obviously, but they're following that path. Yeah. It's definitely different. It's definitely interesting to think about other teams where it's like they have like two good hitters in their lineup or whatever. And so Yankees fans get very worked up about, you know, every lineup decision or whatever, but like to some extent, like there are a lot of teams out there who are, taking taking an all-star and putting him in the middle of no help. And so to me, um, in, in definitely thinking about the potential of this Yankees lineup, if everyone stays healthy, it's like, to me, that's like almost a different sport. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the, the Yankees just have that, have that luxury to hope that most guys um, are going well. And I think, I think the big thing, the thing that I've, you know, thought about the Yankees a lot for the last couple of years is like if their lineup like were more complete then their poor pitching wouldn't wouldn't be in some of the situations they were in you know like they've been a really you know high run scoring team the Yankees rotation especially ERAs have not been good but like that that lineup when it's you know actually complete in the way that it should be it, it should it should still give their their pitching staff some more cover. And so I'd be interested if that's like sort of how it goes with, with the Blue Jays, you know, like how good does your pitching have, staff have to be if your team is scoring five plus runs every night? For sure. And I think the Yankees are in another way also, like um, I, would, I don't know, enviable, but a, a team worth replicating because sure, John Carlos Stanton makes a lot of money. But Aaron Judge is homegrown. You know, Clint Frazier acquired via trade. Luke Luke Voigt acquired via trade for nothing. You know, DJ LeMahieu was an incredibly savvy signing that now they're paying you know closer to what he is would have been worth. Gary Sanchez is, was was internal. They stole Aaron Hicks. Like you could do, you could build a Yankees team without it being the Yankees and like getting and throwing money and throwing good money after bad. So, you know. It, it's not nobody wants to talk about it, but Brian Cashman is probably the best GM in the game. I don't know. It's it's. No, I mean, the Yankees fans who are um, traumatized by the ten plus year streak of of no wins World Series, but um, he's the thing that I think people don't talk about enough with Cashman is. I mean, we can talk about the whole like uh, financial flexibility like trend in baseball, but like. He's he's a GM who's really adjusted with the times. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's he's adjusted more than I think Dave Dombrowski had until I guess we'll see what he does in Philly. But yeah, it's he's he's a different GM now and he's running a different team for sure. He's running a team that it's okay to still hate though. If you're a Blue Jays fan listening to this, it's okay. You need, it needs to that, that feeling needs to go somewhere, and the Yankees are more than happy to uh, receive it. But don't share that hate with Lindsay Adler. You can follow her on Twitter. You can read her on the Athletic. Lindsay, have a great season. Be well. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we do see you in Toronto, probably in September, maybe if at all. But uh, it would be great. So, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Talk to you guys this week for sure and next week.
If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. All right. That was awesome. Thank you so much to Lindsay. As I mentioned at the end there, you can follow her on Twitter. And, of course, you can read her on The Athletic if you are a subscriber, which I think you should be at theathletic.com slash spin rate is how you can hook all that up if you have yet to subscribe. But with baseball starting now, is the time so that you can read things like 10 Blue Jays predictions from Caitlin McGrath, my co-host here on spin rate. So Caitlin, let's go. No time, no time to waste. I'm going to put you on the seat on the spot, put you in the hot seat. Number one, Vladimir Guerrero will break out for one for a 30 plus home run season. How dare you? <laughs> what you wanted 40 plus. No, I, I, I don't think that's a, that's not off base at all. I mean, no, I don't. I think it's it's really easy to to envision Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong in this, and maybe it's only because I'm seeing what I want to see personally. I think about Vlad Guerrero Jr. like I almost think about Mike Trout in like the second or third season, where I remember writing or saying like like Mike Trout might be the best power hitter in the game, but it's like you don't think about Mike Trout as a power hitter. You think of him have just like as just an impossible guy to get out. Who also happens to hit, you know, because he's never hit 40. He was going to come close and then he got hurt in 2019. But like, you don't necessarily think of him as a power hitter. You just think of him as like a complete hitter. And I think that despite all the evidence to the contrary, I might be actually still having Vlad, Vlad Jr. in that bucket rather than the power hitter bucket. But suggesting 30 home runs, I don't think is, doesn't make you a crazy person. That's for sure. No. And like, um, I, I wrote my predictions independently, like, and I thought of this one a few days ago, but then I saw like, um, colleague, Eno Saris also wrote a similar one about Vlad and he's kind of been pre been saying all spring that he, he likes what Vlad's been doing. And, and I think a lot of people have paid attention to what Vlad's done this spring and, and what he did before spring, obviously like the off season working so hard, losing the weight. And just, it just feels like things are lining up for Vlad. that This is going to be the season that he breaks out. And we've talked at length about that. Um, and yeah, like the 30 home runs thing, like I kind of agree with you. Like, I think 
But the thing with Vlad is that he, even in the minors, like he, he was a powerful hitter, but I don't even know that it was like necessarily like slugger Vlad. Like he can kind of just line drive his way to some home runs. Like, and he, he actually hits for average. He hits a lot of doubles and he hits a lot of long singles. Um, but I think it's just like, I think if Vlad hits 30 home runs, it's just like things are going really well for him because if he's hitting 30 home runs, he's probably a 300 or better hitter too. Like, I think, I don't think he's going to be the type, like, I don't think he's, he's not the type of hitter that is um, just going to swing for the fences and either home run or strikeout. Like he actually has a lot of other qualities to his game. Like the, he walks a lot. He has good patience. He can, uh, you know, go the other way. Like he can do a lot of things with a bat. And I think almost like the 30 home runs for me is almost like a signal signifier that like, the season has been really good for him. Like, and this is just one part of it, but if he can hit 30 home runs, it means that a lot else has gone well. I, right? I agree hundred percent. I think that's exactly right. I think that's the, that's the very similar mindset to what I have where knowing everything you know about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., knowing how hard he hits the ball and, and how well he uses the whole field that he doesn't have to sell out to give up everything else. And, and, you know, a 30 home run season from Vlad is going to look very different from, or even a 29 home run season from Vlad is going to look really different than a 30 home run season from Randall Gritchick or, or even Teoscar Hernandez players like that. They're just mm-hmm. not the same kind or same caliber of hitter and, and home runs go a long way. But, but I think that, you know, you and I are seem, seem to agree that, um, that it's, they're, they're not, they're just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to a hitter with the, with the pedigree and the, and the capabilities that Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero, Guerrero Jr. has. <laughs> Now, number two, your prediction, Robbie Ray, will post a sub four ERA. What do you this think? Is one of, this is one of my bolder ones, I think. I think some of my predictions are kind of you know, fairly predictable, I guess. And some of them are bolder just to mix things up a little bit. Um, first things first, Robbie Ray's got to get healthy. Um, mm. I'm not concerned about the injury, but. I don't think we've got enough information about it to know. Like initially it was just a, he fell down the stairs, he bruised his elbow. Now, I don't know. We haven't heard much about the progress yet. We know he's going to miss his first start. I wouldn't be surprised if it's more than one start at this point, just because like he's got to throw a bullpen. He's, you know, you've got to make sure the arm's working and all that kind of stuff. Um, so maybe it's a little bit longer of a, a an IL stint than we thought it would be, but I, I, presumably a bruise shouldn't keep him out that long. He should probably be back in the rotation before Nate Pearson is at this point. Um, Sub four ERA. He hasn't done it since I guess 2018. I think, I think 2017, 2018, he did it. 2017 being his best year in the majors. I think that was the year that he was an all-star. He struck out like 13 guys for nine innings or something absurd like that, that year. Yeah. So I think with this prediction, I'm kind of just buying what Pete Walker has been selling a little bit. I think Mm. that, you know, if, if, um, you know, Robbie Ray has a special, Pete Walker sauce, then maybe <laughs> things can go right with him this year a little bit. Obviously, looking into the spring starts that he had, he was throwing the ball really well. He had the command. Um, he was striking out guys with ease. I think the thing with Robbie Ray is it, you just got to limit those walks. And if he can strike out to his capability, and if also the Blue Jays are fairly like sort of careful with him, pull him before he faces an order the third time through are fairly aggressive with um, the bullpen during his starts or even get kind of creative with it. I think he can, they can certainly, um, you know, maneuver him through a season where he could have a sub um, for ERA. And, and I think also to add just like, if that is one of those like X factors of the season, I think I wrote in my preview, like there's certain guys in this blue Jay season that are really 
important. Like, obviously, like they have to have good seasons for the season to go well, I think. Ryu, Bichette, Guerrero, Pearson, and I think Robbie Ray's in that, and Springer, obviously. But I think Ray, Robbie Ray, and I, the That's reason all. I say that is, <laughs> I, the reason I say that is, is someone else has to emerge in the rotation as a guy you could use as a game two starter, right? Mm. Ryu, well, I mean, the Blue Jays started Ryu in game two last year, but let's not <laughs> go over that decision. But um, like, you just need another guy that you can say, here's our playoff rotation, game one, game two. Here's what I'm going to say. I don't disagree with, uh, with anything that you've said, but the one thing that you said is about how they're going to have to manage him carefully. And I think that that is going to be the thing that's going to keep him from achieving a sub four ERA, which is to say that he's not going to rack up a lot of innings, mm-hmm. which is, which is to say that if he has a bad start or more, more, uh, more likely in my mind is that he will be not having a sub four ERA, I don't think will prevent him from having a good year. Because as we've spoken about, they're going to play the Yankees. They're going to play the Red Sox. They're going to play uh, the Rays, even the Orioles, who are dog shit. But they have a they have like a that worst league average offense. Mm-hmm. The potential for Robbie Ray to get to give up a bunch of home runs, but mix them around a bunch of strikeouts. And 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 as we've as you said, if he gets the Pete Walker sauce that has him throwing strikes. I think he'll still rack up a lot of strikeouts, but I do think he could still give up, uh, you know, a, a fair few home runs. He's never really been a guy who's good at keeping it in the ballpark. So, a couple a couple stray home runs could, uh, in in shorter stints, could keep his ERA from getting down below four. But I don't think that will prevent him from being an effective and 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 useful um, and and big piece to what figures or stands or hopes to be a good Blue Jays team. So. I kind of took the took both ways. Uh, Alejandro Kirk receives NL Rookie of the Year votes. Is your next prediction, Caitlin? I don't think that's that's uh, offside to say. I don't think so. No. Um, I think part of this built in predict part of, built into this prediction is that potentially Alejandro Kirk could be the rookie, the Blue Jays rookie that everyone's talking about. I don't know how. Pearson's going to come back. I don't know how much time he's going to miss. If he misses too much time, maybe he falls out of that conversation early. How much, um, how much playing time is Alejandro Kirk going to get? But, um, it's funny, like I was talking to Keith, um, law a couple weeks ago, um, or just a week ago or so. And, um, he was kind of building his, um, building his uh, predictions and stuff like that. And I kind of mentioned to him, um, that I was picking uh, Kirk as a sleeper and he was like, Oh yeah, good idea. And I think he also, we kind of talked about how Kirk could be a sleeper for the AL rookie of the year. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's one's pretty easy, not off base. I think, you know, if he gets one vote, I'm right. Which is why I will agree with you because it, that's a low bar, uh, which isn't <laughs> to say that I don't think Kirk can, be, can, can contribute and be a good player, but you've done well. You've done very rightly in, in, in not painting yourself into too awkward a corner. Uh, there are, you know, as you list, there are some interesting names um, among among potential AL rookies this season, either guys who might have some residual uh, rookie value, like Randy Rosarena, uh, or you're even Davey Garcia versus some of the the sexier, you know, the Jared uh, Kalenyuk. Is that is that how you pronounce his name? I'm not I sure. Want to say yes? Okay, I'm, I'm I've done well today. I'm really ha- hanging my hat on the Marcus Tims one because uh, Tims Tames Thames. It's a it was a it was a, it was a <laughs> thing back in the day, but. Uh, I don't think it's it's crazy to say that Alejandro Kirk could uh, snag a Rookie of the Year vote. 
Um, number, the next one is uh, Jordan Romano will be an all-star, which again, I will, I will offer my uh, similar take in that it is, uh, it is a bold sounding prediction that mm-hmm. also the all-star team has got a million people on it by the time the game rolls around these days. So I am yeah. not going to disagree. And I think that you're right in it. It is a positive thing. You, you are, you are, in, you're pumping his tires, but also sure. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the Blue Jays could have a couple all-star candidates. So I think he would have to be one of the better ones on the Blue Jays. I don't know if like Springer is just like an automatic all-star. Sometimes that kind of happens when a guy hits a certain threshold in his career. And then, you know, if the Bo or Vlad are having good seasons, they probably get in there. But Jordan Romano, all-star. I would, uh, you would love to see it if you're a Blue Jays fan, because that means he's still throwing strikes, and that means that the Blue Jays' bullpen is settled, which is an interesting point. We got on, on to number five, which you said the Blue Jays will acquire a starter at the trade deadline. Uh, the most of the talk that I've seen has them talking about them, the Blue Jays going for more of a reliever, but you are saying starter. At the trade deadline? At the de- I at the, certainly think they're going to. You think starter at the deadline? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm. And I think this will become, um, more of a need if the rotation isn't going well. And and I think honestly, like hearing the front office talk, um, they realize that pitching, starting pitching is an area where they can still get a lot better. And the next time that they can probably get meaningfully better there is the trade deadline. Like that, that is the time when you can make substantial improvements on your team. Um, and I, I honestly think a, a, a lot of the Blue Jays playing meaningful games and getting to the playoffs probably will require them to get a starter at the trade deadline, especially if things aren't, um, especially if things aren't going super well with the rotation. Or if there's been any injuries or underperformance or anything like that, um, we saw them do it last year, not to the degree where it's necessarily huge impact. Like Taiwan Walker and Robbie Ray were two good pieces; they got the job done um, for the Blue Jays, and I think. Certainly this year, though, the stakes might be raised a little bit and they want more of an impact starter. I don't know, David Price, maybe. Um, like, I don't know if he would be the impact you're looking for, but he's in a bull- the bullpen in the Dodgers right now. So maybe they could spare him. But uh, yeah, we'll see. But I, I think that one, I think that one, uh, the odds of me making that one seem good to me right now. They seem pretty good, uh, especially if you accept the premise of the previous question, which is that Jordan Romano was an all-star and not someone that the Blue Jays are looking to upgrade, um, which I think Josh Hader is a name I've seen bandied about a little bit around the Blue Jays as the kind of impact reliever that they could they could acquire to really solidify, lock down the back of the bullpen as they expected, you know, or gambled that Kirby Yates would be. Um, but I'm going to skip ahead so we're not going to give away the whole column here because you have to go to theathletic.com slash spin rate if you want to subscribe, which is to say that maybe the Blue Jays' big trade deadline or post-trade deadline starter acquisition comes in the minor leagues, which is Alec Manoa, who we spoke about a little bit. You predict that he will be up in September. So mm-hmm. is that perhaps the starting rotation upgrade that the Blue Jays didn't know they need to make? Maybe. Um, I, I still think that it feels more likely that we'll see Manoa debut out of the bullpen, maybe if they kind of want to ease him into it. And I think if you're talking about like September, um, they probably would have wanted to like, if they probably want to make an impact before then, like, I, I don't know, like maybe I'm, I don't think I'm too low on the rotation. I think I'm 
necessarily cautious about the rotation at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, I honestly think the team re- will really need to make an upgrade at the midseason point. I mean, I don't know, like maybe the pitching will end up being better, but I, I just look at this team and, and think that there's going to be need to be an upgrade sooner than um, Alec Manoa in September. And I kind of just view like that as a way to reward him if he had a great minor league season, the way that typically like September call-ups are. Mm. Um, Yeah, he totally could be an upgrade for the bullpen as well. But the way I view that one is, yeah, it's just more like rewarding this this guy if he can make um, a lot of progress in the minor leagues, if he can have a really good season, if he's knocking on the door at AAA at the end of the year, then why not put him on the team in September? So here's my thing. I think that well, I agree. I absolutely would like to see if Alec Manoa is able to succeed at AAA, which I don't think there's any reason to doubt that he will be able to uh, to still command uh, all of his pitches and still you know throw a big heavy fastball and just be the guy that they drafted and that they were happy to draft as high as they did and a guy who dominated in spring training. My thing is, don't wait till the end of the spring training season. If the Blue Jays are close to or or in the midst of contention, maybe I, if I'm the Blue Jays, or if I'm me and I'm the GM, I want to bring Alec Manoa up maybe in early August, maybe at the latest. Give him some time to get acclimated, bring him in as a starter. Let him, in August, when the schedule is not as dense with AL East opponents, which tends to, typically, I, I don't know the, what schedule looks like offhand, but August is when you're still doing, you know, you might have a couple Mariners in there. You might have a couple other, you know, that might be a, a Texas Rangers series or uh, Detroit and whatever else. Before you get into the meat of the of Yankees, Red Sox, Rays, Yankees, Red Sox, Rays, Orioles, one after another, maybe you let Alec Manoa kind of get acclimated in that part of the season and then when September comes, when the games become extra significant um, as, the, as, as it's getting down to the wire, then you have a better sense of what he is and where he can help the team. If you have a need in the in the starting rotation or if it's like, you know what, we are good right now because Robbie Ray is Sandy Koufax, then awesome. Then we can then you can slide Alec Manoa back into the bullpen. But that's what I'd like to see. But I don't think it's crazy to think. And as we talked about this earlier, I mean, this is a guy who was drafted to move quickly. There's no need to waste his bullets there's no need if he shows and demonstrates that he can throw strikes that he can that he can turn a lineup over that he can maintain his velocity late in the games bang bring him up let him start let's go win some games and the last yeah, one will say I'm sorry go ahead well, I was just going to say like another um, reason to get him in sooner or make sure he has um, as much um, experience in the major leagues is that if the Blue Jays are in um, the playoffs in October and you want him to be a useful piece, it's a lot nicer to throw a, a guy like that into the fire in an October um, playoff series if he has a few reps under his belt in the regular season. So I agree with you there that if they could get him in earlier than September, did I say September? I should have said at least September. Then that covers covers me <laughs> for like that, you know, margin of error. Mm-hmm. Uh, error. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, if if Alec Manoa comes up, I'm just going to consider myself right, no matter what month it is. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to okay. you. Absolutely. You you are batting a thousand here. This last <laughs> one though, a little dicey. The last one we're going to talk about of your bold predictions for 2021 that I encourage you to read over at the Athletic is the Blue Jays will return to Toronto after the All Star break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've moved my date. Yeah, I was Obviously, gonna say, I, was, I was ready to I was, like nail you here, but no, you've, you're, <laughs> I was, you're slippery. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I reassessed. I gave up the Canada Day um, 
dream of mine. And um, I'm just picking a little later. I think that it gives them a little bit more time to settle their affairs with the Canadian government to figure out, um, you know, if they will be able to play here to prove, to give a larger sample to also the Canadian government of like, look, we've gone through whatever it be, um, three full months of the season and we haven't had a case yet. If that, if that happens to be how it goes for the Blue Jays at that point, the players will be vaccinated presumably, um, or at least that 85% threshold that MLB is encouraging all teams to reach. Um, and maybe things are better at home by then. And I think the Blue Jays will be, or I should say, I, I'm not, this prediction doesn't mean that there will be fans in the stands. I just mean the Blue Jays coming and playing at the Rogers Center. The fans are probably not going to be part of it this year. No, it's, it's looking less likely as even in the span that we have been recording the podcast here, it has been announced that the, that the province of Ontario is going back into a four week long province wide lockdown, which is super great. Caitlin, you won me over, or you, you, you've convinced me that while I am here doing the good work for the good people at The Athletic, trying to drive subscriptions, you want to put a number down. You want mm-hmm. to make a prediction. You predicted the Blue Jays are going to win 87 games Yep. in 2021. Do you still stand by that? I do. I mean, I only wrote it like two days ago, so mm. um, I haven't changed my mind yet. No, there's no amount of zoiking that will change your prediction on the Blue Jays' win total? No. Um, even if they go 0-3 oh, this opening series, I'm still sticking with 87. Um, George Springer on the I.L. hasn't impacted it at all either because I was planning for that. 87. Um, I looked around at some projections and they were all kind of around there and I sort of settled in the middle. Um, I saw some project- projections that were higher on the Blue Jays and, and some people that were higher. I saw some projections and predictions that were lower on the Blue Jays. So I kind of just settled in the middle, as we can see, I as my predictions. I sort of like to... Um, safeguard myself to be the most right as possible um yeah 87 i think it's doable i i I think that i think the floor is like maybe 80 what 83 if things go really not great and then maybe at the high mark are they a 90 win team that's what i'm gonna say i'm gonna say 90 wins and i don't know that there are a lot of there's not a lot of projection that's built into that 90 win figure but i just well, I want to. I want to say 90. I want to say they're going to win 90 games. I'm going to say, I want to say that they're going to be in and even, you know, they're going to be in the playoffs and deserve to be there. They're not going to back in. They're not going to be the least worst that good team, you know what I mean? I think they're going to, I think they could win 90 games this season. I think that that well, we've talked about the the the, the Vlad Guerrero uh, breakout is, is, is ready to happen, I think. I think, again, Danny Jansen has the potential to be a, like a real uh, difference maker. And I think that the, I'm, I think, and I'm hopeful um, for all of our sakes that the Blue Jays kind of depth approach, sort of raise mimicking pitching style, I think it could work. I think it could work, you know, as long as we can keep the Zoic meter down a little lower. I know I shouldn't be picking on poor TJ Zoic. This is a this is a good story. He made the he made the he made the big league club. He's gonna get checks, get big checks. TJ Zoic, just boy, miss a bat, just maybe one, just get a swing and miss, and on Sunday, and I'll be happy. 
but I think 90. I'm going to say 90 games. So I could be wrong. I'm ready to be wrong. There's no stakes. It doesn't matter if I'm wrong. What the fuck difference does it make? No, none difference. But that's it. This has been a long season preview. I'm excited. Caitlin, you look excited to get back covering games. No more spring training. No more baloney. The games count. And I'm ready to go. Anything else you want to say before we uh, sign off, before the season starts? No, I'm ready to go. And if you haven't checked it out already, I have my season preview up where I sort of ask, I think, seven essential questions about this Blue Jays team, a lot of which we've talked about already on this podcast. But if you want to read a kind of version of the podcast and check out my season preview, it's up right now. And follow me this weekend as the season opens. I will be all over Blue Jays news, whatever happens for these three games in New York. Whatever happens, we hope you have a great time. We really hope you enjoy the season. I really hope that uh, professional baseball on your TV is a bit of a reprieve from, you know, gestures wildly towards everything else. So I'm excited for the season. I'm excited. Well, you are probably going to be hearing a lot more of us here on Spin Rate. So keep your ears peeled for maybe an extra episode or so moving forward. But we'll see. Well, I mean, we know, but I'm pretending like it's not going to happen. More Spin Rate, more Blue Jays baseball, more Caitlin McGrath. My name is Drew Fairservice. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy the 2021 baseball season. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.